Hey, hey, it's your weekly corner, Spady, and it's Kieran, and I'm joined by Uma. Hello. And uh, we're doing this remote because the fucking plague has struck <laughs> Berlin <laughs> and incapacitated, like, everyone I know, including Uma. She's just, you yep. know, well enough to set up a microphone. <laughs> Literally, to just sit on a table. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, Not I, on a table, by the table. I don't know English, whatever. It's all right. Prepositions are a fuck. Yeah. Uh, but also, like, can I stress enough that the illness is making it incapable for a lot of people to do that? Um, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's fun. Um, we out here. We're doing it. It's because fucking sorry, I'm not. Yeah. I'm gonna rant about Berlin being for shit for Go a for second. It. It's we because all spit one day. Faces. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's well, yeah, but also it's 15 degrees one day, and the next it's two, and it's snowing. So yeah. of course everyone's just catching a plague because like, how the fuck are we supposed to dress? How are we supposed to be outside? I don't like this. No, I, that's fair. yeah, yeah. Anyway, sick rant over. Sorry. <laughs> no, yeah, it was a sick rant. Uh, <laughs> didn't mean it like that but sure yeah ain't i stink i'll take it um yeah so uh, <laughs> we have we have a wonderful interview queued up for you you cuties that we will we will start playing in a bit but first um you, you <laughs> noticed something i tweeted uh um which was the weird tiktok that that mm-hmm. Like who is she? She a Tory politician? I don't know. Um, no, she she tries to be. She tries to be um, a, a Tory politician, but I think I've seen her around. She's like one of these like members of student Tory, like Tory student societies in like London School of Economics, and you know, so she goes to these fancy things and, and pretends to be actually involved in politics but she's just literally a student at a fancy university <laughs> yeah she's trying to be like a, a right-wing influencer type yeah no literally like what was her name sophie corcoran or something like that Co- yeah yeah okay that sounds corcoran. right yeah yeah corcoran yeah, corcoran, yeah. yeah something um, like that. i think it's a, that's a irish name originally um but also so is tory and it means co- oh yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> love um, that love that but the um yeah, so I think people are probably familiar with her because she does these videos every so often and <laughs> in them it's always just like, oh, I'm a I'm a, a, a Tory realist and oh, I'm just a common sense conservative. And then it just cuts to like the third person just like goose-stepping, being like, I believe the, the, the Mussolini should conquer Ethiopia. And then just yeah, like, cuts to the it's... fourth person being like, I just want to have my chips or something like it's it's, it's such a random crew like I mean well it's not I guess it's what you would it's yeah exactly like but she just <laughs> it's just hilarious because every she does these TikToks every time she's at like one of these events with young Tories and every time she gets bullied to fuck like they all get bullied to fuck like mm. everyone she gets viral on like leftist Twitter because everyone's just piling on her because yeah. she she truly has the worst pals. Like that's the thing. One of them would be just like, I guess I'm neoliberal or like a Tory. And the next one is like, I just want trains to come on time. Yeah. It's like, yeah, okay, yeah. you're a straight up fascist. Yeah. Like what the fuck? Yeah, yeah. Like sometimes, yeah, it will just be like an obscure reference. And then like other times it's just like, yeah, follow me on Twitter. My name is Franco is based 69 or whatever the <laughs> fuck. <laughs> like, uh, um, yeah, it's 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 amazing the amount of like 18-year-olds who uh, don't have concepts of like I don't know, consequences. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and um, they're, they yeah. they they are 18 as you say, but some of them look rough. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the young <laughs> like, the young Tory yeah. Oh my God! Young Tories and young Republicans—they just look like Republicans as in the U.S. Uh, yes, way. Yeah. Um, they just look, yeah, like some of them just look like they've been working for fifty years and ready to retire. You know, like I don't, I don't understand. Like, yeah. like in Spain we have the sayings like "You look like you've paid many taxes already." <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, yeah, I mean they, I mean. It's not dissimilar to uh, um, stuff that happens in Germany because, like, 
I don't know how familiar you are with the young the young onion, the 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 youth wing of the CDU. I'm not familiar, thankfully. Oh yeah, but like <laughs> <laughs> the um, they they produced a politician who's in the Bundestag right now who I can only really describe as like aging sideways, like. Okay. He's got like this very. Hang on, I'm gonna copy the link to, to. Oh no! Is it the one that I said is attractive? No. No, I very much doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Because one time, or no, was that a SPD politician? I don't know. One time uh, I was like, "Oh, this guy is like literally my my type," and you guys were all like, "Shut the fuck up." <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Uh, oh God, you no. Okay, it's not this. <laughs> But like, yeah, I, that okay, is so. Home, he looks like Benjamin Button. Yeah, oh. absolutely. For people at home, I have sent Uma a picture of Philip Amtor. Sorry, I, yeah, that was really mean. Um, no, but don't. don't also, fine. you're a CDU politician, yeah. so I don't care. He's, <laughs> but like, if you told me that man was eighteen, I believe you. If you told me that man was f- like thirty-nine, I'd believe you. <laughs> right? Yeah. How old? Oh, he's thirty. Okay. Of course, scholarship of the Conrad Adenauer Foundation. Why am I not surprised? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. But he, he came up through the Young Onion and he kind of looks like that. And the head of the oh, Young God. Onion. Uh, um, oh, let me see if I can get that. Yes, yes. Tillman Kuban. God, yeah. I, that... <laughs> what? Tillman Kubert? Kuban. I think. Uh, Kuban. Yeah, 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 I don't know. It's all German, but um, I, I really do need to. Uh, um, I'm going to copy the link here. I need you to see the face of the head of the youth wing. Like this is the, this is the face of youth. <laughs> oh, <laughs> wow! <laughs> oh, he's only thirty-four. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's rough. It's so rough. It's well, I guess so now rough. he's 36, but oh my God. In the picture, yeah, he's 34. Oh uh, no, honey. Oh. Yeah. It's, yeah. that's upset. I'm so sad for him right it's, now. It's really bad. Like, I. Like, he looks 50, at least. Like, I'm not even being dramatic here. Oh it's, my God. It's so strange. It just makes me incredibly curious about what he will look like when he's 50. Like, maybe we, he will just stay the same until yeah, he's like laugh, 80. Maybe he'll be laughing at us. He'll be like, yeah. he'll be looking like this when he's 80 and we'll we'll look like whatever. Oh my God. <laughs> we'll look like what an actual 80-year-old is meant to look like rather than whatever this is. <laughs> this guy, also this picture, like he's seen some shit. <laughs> like what is this? <laughs> like he looks traumatized. He actually well, like, does. The Young Onion is a very uh, a traumatizing place. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. The um, I think we did the election show. One of the joke images I showed is that um, if you type in Young Onion into Google, like Google, mm-hmm. complete like the second option is Reichsflagge, like Empire flag. Oh no! <laughs> there's been so many pictures of Young Onion members with uh, um, the old black, white, and red flag. Um, you're not meant Jeez. to fly, or you're legally allowed fly when you want to fly a, le- a different flag. Then you're not legally allowed fly. <laughs> oh, it's like that. Have you seen all these Germans with Confederate um, oh, flags? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? And all these fucking uh, what's it called? The Garten thingies, mm. the private. Ugh. Anyway, oh, the, the, I hate the 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 Kleine Garten are just hilarious because yeah. yeah, it will just be like someone with one flagpole that has just like. The flag of like the German Reich's flag, and then underneath <laughs> it will be like a flag for uh, um, like North Korea, and then underneath <laughs> that will be a flag for like the Donetsk People's Republic. It's like it, when you find uh, like, really yeah. fucked corners of Twitter, but in like real life. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like the you know that bot that tells you which flags people that like it's just like you just look at the clan guards and you're like oh okay yeah in much the same way it's like real life um yeah. all right 
And with that, uh, I think we're going to cut to our interview, um, a lovely interview that we had with Mm -hmm. uh, three guests. Uh, uh, Michael Zapier, writer and organizer, Yehuda, uh, a teacher and activist, and Nimrod, a a writer and activist, to talk to us about uh, the protests in Israel and uh, experiences they have with uh, um, radical Jewish organizations in Germany. So let's cut to the interview now. Kieran, slightly in the past. I'm going to probably turn to Nimrod first because we wanted to open with discussions of what's happening in Israel, and he's been doing a lot of writing on that. So, I mean, in the shortest words possible, what's happening in Israel? <laughs> um, there was, uh, uh, the, for the past uh, three months, there's been a huge protest against uh, new fascist government's plans to um, actually eradicate what is left of uh, the Israeli democratic system, uh, which means... Uh, uh, a very big plan to curtail the power of uh, the Supreme Court and to pass some legislation that will, in in effect, uh, um, make the the uh, government uh, the final um, decider about everything, uh, eliminating uh, judicial uh, review. Uh, and this protest has been very effective. Uh, and drew masses, like truly uh, huge numbers of people. Uh, right now, just two days ago, no, yesterday actually, um, the, the there was like this uh, big uh, runoff, and uh, now we got to a point where the government stopped for a while because the Knesset is going on recess. Uh, so for the next month, there will be no legislation. They didn't pass any of the major laws. Uh, that were a part of this package. Uh, and in this sense, the the protest uh, has won a, a certain win in this battle, but uh, the government is still quite uh, determined to uh, eradicate what is left of the Israeli democracy for Jews uh, within Israel. Uh, obviously, it's not a fight about uh, true democracy uh, between the river and the sea, because uh, in that uh, sense, Israel is not a democracy. Mm. And I just have a quick question as someone who is uh, um, very much... Okay, for a little bit of background, on this podcast, we kind of like decided that we were going to be the podcast that covers Europe, right? Uh, And I always said, I use the Eurovision definition of Europe, right? So that people know that we're willing to talk about Armenia, and Azerbaijan. I'm going to be completely honest, though. Never touched Israel with a 10-foot pole in terms of discussing their politics. <laughs> um, even though they are in Eurovision uh, and have been for a long time. Um, but it does kind of sound like, and I have a very cursory understanding, that this is very similar to the kind of moves that places like Poland has tried to do, that Hungary has successfully done like within the last 10 years. Is that a fair description of what's happening? I think... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Michael. Um, I think there are similarities and there's a connection, but I, I, I think it would be a mistake to just say like, oh, the same thing that happened there is happening here now. It's just a thing happening everywhere. Because when you when you look at the the concrete motives behind this, um, in Israel's case, there uh, the a lot of the main driving force is really unique to to Israel's situation as 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 a colonial uh, state, um, trying to keep down a native population, and the, all the conflict that comes out of that, um, and the drive to kind of attain permanent security uh, through through violence is obviously in in uh, conflict with uh, any democratic institutions one has, and and. So I think the, the connection to things like Poland um, and, and and Hungary is is more on a different level. That this this gives examples of how it can be done. Um, it gives it some legitimization because it's not the only post democratic state supposedly. Um, but I don't think it would be correct to just say like the same thing is happening everywhere and now. It's just reached uh, Israel because when you look at the the background to it, it's very it's very specific. Um, but it should be added, uh, I agree completely, uh, it should be added that I think yesterday it was revealed that actually uh, the Israeli government has been in contact with members of uh, the Polish uh, yeah. far right 
to uh, understand what are the best ways of eradicating the judiciary. In this, in this like limited sense, the moves are similar because they aim to, you know, limit the same institutions. Yeah, uh, that's fair. And and then I guess with this protest and with the kind of like the left looking from afar, mostly at like clips I'm seeing on Twitter. Um, are very intellectual. The um, I guess I, I, the question I have is, and I guess Nilrod, you like alluded to this, which is, was there any hope that this protest was going to result in the meaningful change in Israel, the one that kind of like everyone on the international left wants, uh, the end of like? Am I allowed to? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> oh, all right, if I might chime in, if I might chime in, uh, I, I think that it's when you look at the profile of the people demonstrating and you see how many Israeli flags and you see how many people from the security institutions, the Shin Bet, the like, security services, the um, people from the IDF, how like uh, they are very, very present in this demonst- in this uh, protest. They are very aware of their privileges and they are using them. Also, the financial elites, the financial elites are really behind this protest very uh, clearly. It is not a protest for poor people. It's not a protest for oppressed people. It's not a, pre- a protest for minorities. Uh, it's a protest of uh, of old elites and and uh, and current elites, uh, and it's very obvious that there is like a very small corner uh, with Palestinian flags in every in every demonstration, and a lot of times those uh, the people raising those Palestinian flags or uh, cry, trying to cry for equality and for proper change uh, in the Israel Palestine are being actually attacked. Uh, mm. Not just by police and right-wing demonstrators, by the, rather by the, the the protesters, the other Zionist protesters themselves. Uh, that's true in general terms, but I must say that first of all, like the anti-occupation block that I've seen last Saturday, for instance, mm. was quite massive. I mean, the the demonstration was huge, but the anti-occupation uh, block within it is only becoming uh, larger and larger. Uh, which is a good sign. And from talking to people who have been, you know, I've been here for a week now, but for talking to people who have been in every single protest since it began, uh, they're saying that there is a certain change in the outlook of the other protesters seeing the anti-occupation bloc. And I think it's it's becoming, uh, I mean, I agree with, with you, with the Yuda in general, because it is not a protest about the occupation or anything like that. But I think the identity of the new government that is uh, led by the most extremist settler Jewish supremacists does create a link between the attempt to destroy the judiciary and the attempt to solidify apartheid and the occupation. And I think Many people in the liberal, you might say liberal uh, sections of Israeli society are seeing this connection. And that hmm. is an opening that is that is important to notice hmm. and to amplify. And, and absolutely. And I think the interesting thing is that on the one hand, the, the opposition is still in a difficult situation where it like you know, if we set aside what we want to see happening, if we want to just look at the, the interests of this, this opposition movement, for the opposition movement to put in the in the foreground these these deeper issues and like talk about actual equality for all people and not just for the Jewish people there, um, w- would be extremely dangerous politically because a big part of the oppositional coalition is is very right wing and would 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 fall away if that happened. Hmm. But what might start what might be coming out now slowly i mean there's, i've seen some indications for this and some people have been saying this um is a call by the opposition to uh, establish a real constitution like this is important to understand the state of israel does not have a constitution it has uh, a small collection of of basic laws but these basic laws could could be you know could be canceled by a parliamentary majority and the demand for constitution is kind of starting to come out of the movement, even from very, very um, uh, high up positions within the movement, like 
pre previous uh, Prime Minister Lapid, I think, is talking at least about similar things. And President Herzog uh, is, has also said something that it wasn't quite that, but uh, uh, like as one of his proposals for uh, for resolution kind of go in that direction. I think this is coming out as something that that the opposition can kind of coalesce around without necessarily realizing all of its implications. Like there are there are reasons why the state of Israel hasn't had a constitution this far, um, but if this crisis causes a, a constitutional process to start that could lay the groundwork for like much deeper political questions to be asked. Like, I think we have to be clear, like Netanyahu and, and everyone has, was talking yesterday or the other day, I, I don't remember anymore. Um, in the last two days, people have been talking about civil wars as like as maybe a metaphor, but as like something that might be about to start. And there was like significant street violence yesterday, more than we're used to seeing even at wartime between left and right. Hmm. Um, so, there is this really precarious situation which could go in all kinds of different directions. But I think one of the really intriguing possibilities is that this liberal demand for a constitution will become like the center of the protest movement and lead to to like a, a snowball that could change other things as well. Yeah, um, I think um, if you look at it from a more, you know, theoretical perspective or uh, Marxist perspective, then yeah. it is clear that... <laughs> Yes, hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, we are seeing the antagonisms uh, becoming more clear. And when the government is pulling this far to the right in such like extreme uh, measures, and it's not only the legal overhaul, it's also, you know, their plans for uh, a militia a force led by the settlers. It's also their uh, uh, wish for annexa annexation of the of parts of the West Bank or the entire West Bank. When you, when the, the government is going this far right, it does generate uh, counter forces that are also radicalizing. And this is really, really visible. You know, if you look behind the Israeli flags that I, you know, for me going to a huge protest and, you know, participating in it, but seeing all these flags, it was tough. It was weird. It was like not something I'm used to. I'm used to seeing like these huge amounts of flags on the other side. But right. if you look behind it at the real dynamics, then I think, you know, there, there, there is radicalization happening. The, the actual fact that, you know, refusal, refusal to serve in the reservist uh, um, corps in the army uh, by pilots, by elites, by everyone is becoming uh, a legitimate tool uh, of political struggle is something that, you know, if you would have asked me two months ago, you know, two months ago, I wrote a paper about it. And I said, you know, there are starting to be like some fractures in the Israeli militarism in the protest movement. Hmm. And wow, like, <laughs> unbelievable, you know, like, the, they, 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 they were about to, you know, to, to refuse to go to the Air Force and, you know, just completely limit Israel's power to, you know, continue its like, endless uh, bombing of Syria and potentially Iran. And, and, and I think there's this dynamic of radicalization that probably a lot of us and our listeners have experienced, which is once you're part of a protest movement and you see how politicians and the media respond to it, it really changes how you look at discourse in, under normal circumstances. And that's been happening to a huge, huge part of the population now. And they've been, they've been called anarchists now. They've they've been told that they are endangering the security of the state and things. And they're going to be re less receptive to this kind of language um, in the future after the situation is stabilized. Whatever, however, it, it gets stabilized. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I do know that feeling of just like joining a protest movement. And the media is like, "Hey, do you want to talk to us for a minute?" And you're like, "No." And it's like, "I can't believe that person attacked me tonight at six. We. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, that's fair. Uh, I want to I want to turn to Yehudai a bit here. Uh, um, I, I'm kind of curious about. I don't know. You've probably paid attention to this, like German Germany's reaction to this protest movement, their understanding of it. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm, I'm, unfortunately, I'm, I'm going to have to occur the psychic damage in all of us by bringing up the German state and the fact that it, it is real and um, exists. Uh, um, but yeah, I was wondering if you could uh, shed some light on that. I, I would like to say, first, I think, I think there's 
there's this dynamics that uh, people that are somehow interested or involved in Israel Palestine always notice and that that like the great majority of German people German right German left German center are uh, pro Israel or at least like try to stand behind Israel and in this case I think a lot of them are uh, are somewhat confused and are trying <laughs> to uh, are trying to support the protest without criticizing Israel in any way because they know if you criticize Israel in any way obviously you're an anti-semite and none of them want to be called a raging anti-semite so uh, they're holding back uh, on like uh, on clear uh, criticism of this uh, openly fascist, uh, racist regime. Mm -hmm. uh, some of them uh, are, are trying to, to go for the protest, trying to support the protest in a, in a way, but not in any way that would somehow conclude that they actually show some kind of solidarity with Palestinians, rather with those mm -hmm. uh, high-tech workers in Israel that are that might be in some way uh, seen poorly or have like a worse uh, um, reputation as, as a state because of the involvement, uh, because of, of this new regime. It does kind of does seem kind like of the first time Germans have ever actually really been encountered, like forced to encounter <laughs> internal Israeli politics. It always seems to be like, stand with Israel against Iran, stand with Israel against Syria. It's always like been more like foreign policy realm rather than like something's happening in the judiciary. Like name the, the, name five Israeli politicians right now. Go. <laughs> like, kind of. But but you do see a repeat of something that you see um uh, and, and uh, you, you see often, which is whenever there's like a big demonstration in Israel, you have all these all these Germans like slobbering all over it and being like, look at this vibrant democracy and just like going out of their way to show how much they appreciate Israeli democracy. And you, you have been seeing some of that. So like when people talk about about what's going on within the state of Israel, it's it's mainly to emphasize like the strength of civil society and look how it's standing up to um, to injustice and stuff like that, which is I think a little, a little bit unrealistic. Like it's, you know, even now where it looks like the movement has really, has really like um, made something happen, it's temporary. And like the danger is just as big as it was before, if not, if not bigger. That's fair. Um, got okay, so. Um, sorry, I've, I've been forced to confront the existence of Germany and now I'm... I'm, I'm... <laughs> <laughs> We're all upset about that now. Yeah, yeah, because I... I guess this maybe connected, maybe not. I, I'm kind of curious about your experiences, and this is a broad topic, and I really love to talk about um, about like radical Jewish organizations in Germany, like grassroots, like made in Germany by um, German Jews or like Jewish expats or immigrants who now live in Germany, things of this nature. Because I, I cannot stress enough to you how recently I have encountered the opinion mostly from Americans, that there aren't Jews in Germany anymore, that they all left, basically. And I never, I basically never heard of any of these kind of radical organizations before I moved here. I knew German, I knew Jewish people were in Germany, but I'd never heard of any of these organizations. And I've also encountered a lot of Germans who have never heard of any of these organizations. So I'm kind of curious about what kind of organizations exist what kind of resistance from the German state they've received, overall vibes when when Germans encounter these organizations for the first time. I know this is very vague, I'm sorry, but it, it's something that I think a wider audience I think needs to know about. So there aren't a lot of them. And it is true that largely there aren't much Jews in Germany. Like the presence of Jews in Germany before the Holocaust was significant and ever since has been very marginal. Um, but in terms of, of radical political groups, like I can off the top of my head think of, of three only. And um, one of them is the most significant, um, which is like a, a national level uh, of uh, um, and a, a registered association, uh, the Jewish Voice for a Just Peace in the Middle East, Yiddish Stimme. Um, and then there's... Um, the Jewish Anti-Fascist Bund in Berlin, 
and there's the group that I am a co-founder and a part of, which is Yid, Jewish-Israeli descent in uh, in Leipzig. And I, I, I'm not aware of any other such group in Germany. There is, I mean, in the Germanosphere, there's a, a cool group in Vienna called the Judeo Bolshevina Innen. Um, and there's a group in Switzerland called um, Yiddish Anticolonial. Um, I think that might actually be a full list of like radical Jewish groups um, in, in the German-speaking countries. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's unfortunate. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I want to say something because I think I'm I'm kind of involved with the. This is something that I always repeat when we when we talk, and I say that I'm involved with the with the central rat, with the people the people in charge of the uh, uh, basically representing the Jewish people in the in the public German sphere, uh, the two hundred something thousand Jews, and uh, and I think it's very. Uh, it's a very, very mixed community, the community of Jews in Germany. Uh, like 200,000, a lot of them, uh, maybe the majority people that came from uh, the old Soviet Union uh, like 30 years ago, uh, a, a lot of other immigrants, very, very few people that were like uh, children and grandchildren of survivors uh, that came back. And because it's such a, and it's a very, very diverse community, not just because a lot of them speak Russian and a lot of them don't understand, uh, have like different traditions. And uh, if you talk about Jewish traditions and synagogues, they're very, very different from each other. So it's very hard to find a common denominator for them. So what the Zentralrat did in many ways, where they said, well, we don't want to talk about uh, if a, uh, is, a, is a son of a, of a Jewish father, but a Christian mother, a Jew, we don't want to have that discussion. We don't want to have this discussion about what makes us Jews in Germany, what's our political tendencies, what are ideas about immigration and racism here, what can bind us all together? Israel. And in Zentralrat, uh, the Juden is really pushing that uh, that unrelevant political debate to, to like most Germans and uh, most Jewish Germans or German Jews are uh, uh, pushing this uh, as a as a as a flag as something we can uh, gather around uh, and it's something because I'm uh, like an activist in the Jewish scene against anti-Semitism. And I'm a part of a group that's involved in it. So much of the training we are uh, that we we go through. So much of the of the lectures we hear from the people we meet are people from uh, people that are Hasbara people, people that are pushing the Israeli narrative as as, as if we are supposed to represent it right. just because we Jews. Um, right, and just sorry, just one question here is just uh, I'm kind of I'm kind of curious as to about like has there been any pushback to that tactic? Has there been any alternative uh, uh, um, alternatives been successfully put forward? Like how do how do people combat that? Like uh, um, Israel as the banner that will unite uh, um, rather than. Uh, I don't know, being workers, being human beings, I, I'm not entirely certain uh, what the alternative is. Has there been any success with anything other than Israel? Well, there's there's two sides to how this, this goes down, because um, only about half of the Jewish people in Germany are, are organized within the official um, Jewish community, um, which is officially represented by the Zentralrat. Um, I'm not one of them, so maybe maybe Yuda can say more about like what's going on inside that. But I know it's a very tough battle there because it's very top down, and there isn't there isn't a lot of room to to challenge that from within, from what I can uh, tell, from what I've gathered. Um, but then what happens is that that official community gets to speak for to be the Jewish voice in the German public because it's you know it's a government supported um, uh, structure and it's in close collaboration both with you know the institutions of the German state and with the uh, you know the, the major political parties. Um, so their narrative is 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 overbearingly dominant. And then we have all these these individual voices or or small groups um, like my group, like the 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 Jewish anti-fascist Bund in Berlin, um, which are trying to 
at least make clear publicly that that's not the only Jewish perspective on these things. Um, and, you know, that works on some levels because then, you know, activists who are looking for like an actual progressive view on this will say like, hey, wait, okay, there isn't just the Jewish position here are Jewish leftist groups and we can, we can, you know, talk with them and they can be something we refer to. Um, but then for like people who want to be in the mainstream and who are, are involved in, in state institutions and stuff, our, our existence is insignificant and they, they continue to refer only to this like uh, official um, um, establishment position. Um, I, I can say like uh, I, I, I'm a relatively newcomer to Germany hmm. uh, and you know, I, I moved to Berlin uh, less than a year ago. Uh, so, and my German is not up to the level uh, uh, required for like, you know, proper political uh, work Never speak uh, German. in German. Don't, don't give them, uh, don't do it. But, <laughs> but uh, I, I need to say that like, from my impression up to now, it's, um, it's very, very clear that the use of anti-Semitism and uh, of, uh, you know, the affiliation between anti-Zionism or anti-Israeli sentiments and anti-Semitism is a planned, organized uh, campaign uh, by the Israeli state and by its supporters abroad. And it's, um, it is very clear that, that this is intentional political action and not like this, you know, uh, this, this cultural uh, problem in which you discuss different uh, issues of anti-Semitism and so on. Like if you look at, at, at you know, the lineages of these incidents, you, you typically see either Israel or pro-Israeli forces behind them. Mm. Uh, so I think like, you know, in a sense, it's not very, it's not such a good idea in Germany to like say, look behind, behind that there's Israel. Because then you, you'd be accused of anti-Semitism because, you know, it, it is an anti-Semitic trope in a way, if you interpret it like that. But I think it is quite important to see that Israel is heavily invested in the uh, linking of anti-Semitism and anti-Israel or criticism of Israel in a clear, defined, official way. And it is happening in Germany. It is happening in the U.S., where BDS laws, uh, anti-BDS laws, are being uh, uh, legislated everywhere. It's happening in the U.K. It's happening in France. It's happening all over. It's a very useful instrument for Israeli foreign policy, and we need to look at it as such. I think the special thing about Germany, though, is uh, um, I mean, you're, you're right. This is going on. Very similar things are going on in different places. I think what's special in Germany is that in Germany, it's like often not directly related to the Israeli state. It's just like there are German state institutions and civil society institutions that are just as invested in this because it's it's a strategic interest for the state of Germany to demonstrate that it is aligned with the state of Israel as a, a kind of get out of jail free card for being the Nachfolgerstaat, the successor state of 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 of, uh, of the national socialists. Mm. So so a lot of Germans are invested in this without any kind of Israeli state backing. They do go and like lap up Israeli state propaganda and and like information from right wing Israeli think tanks. Like they they they're very receptive to this stuff. So they end up using material that comes from um from the Israeli government and associated uh, um groups. Um, but the initiative, I think, in the German case, unusually, is is German. Yeah. Hmm. I kind of have a question related to this. Maybe it's it's a bit sillier, but <laughs> bring some levity, please. It's a tough topic. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, no, but I was wondering if you guys have ever had a weird, like, well. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna sound so weird. Like a weird encounter with a German. Everyone has had a weird encounter with a German. But in a sense in a... <laughs> No, but in the sense that like, you know, you're in a party or whatever, like everyone's drunk and they find out that you're Jewish Jewish and they start being weird about it, like apologizing or like you know, oh, yeah. being weird about Germany's history. That's I mean, I mean... <laughs> Before I let our wonderful guests talk, I, I'm going to draw attention to the English-speaking listeners to our audience of um, a very important Vice Germany article. that it, It's only written on the German version of Vice um, by a wonderful author who mentioned 
what happened for like two weeks where she put in her Tinder profile that she was Jewish. Oh, no. Oh, no, no, no. She gets a lot of people sliding into DMs being like... I I would really want to have Jewish babies with you, etc. <laughs> oh no! Yeah, it's bad, folks. If it, yeah, it's the, the whole thing. The, the the swiping apps are bad in general, I guess. But you know. <laughs> oh, um, but yeah, I I, I, I I want to I want to answer the question first. Yes. Uh, <laughs> just to get it to get it out of the way. I did not have such an experience. Not you yet. Been here for and I met, you're too new. You're too new. And I met many Germans, and you know, like I, I almost feel as if I did experience it because, like, that's what all Israelis I know tell mm. me about. But mm. for the time being, I found Germans to be quite pleasant, nice. <laughs> um, I, you know, like I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit. I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe I have like you know, maybe it's my surname or something. I, I, I feel like you know, I, I, I go along with the vibe. Mm. That's good. I'm happy for you. <laughs> May that last for a lot longer. Uh, yeah, probably, exactly. probably not. But you know, like I'm, 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 I'm surprised, and you know, it's nice. Like, <laughs> like I haven't had any terrible experiences, but I do feel like. I kind of it's normal when when Germans find out that I'm that I'm Jewish or that I'm Israeli that um there's at least some awkwardness that suddenly comes in like it's sometimes it's something very subtle sometimes it's like oh cool like either they're like overly excited or they're just like kind of don't know how to react like there's um, the, like the last 30 minutes of the interaction be like shit have I done anything anti-semitic yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did have an encounter once which actually i found pretty pleasant like the person immediately said oh uh one one feels a need to apologize like immediately and it's got out of the way. <laughs> this is actually a person who spends like half her time in israel so this is actually surprising to me but yeah, i yeah. i appreciated the directness of it because like, like we can get it out of the way and just like you know it's in the room we can talk about it yeah, that's self-aware. Like that's funny. Yeah, that's I what, guess. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how I interact when I enter a room full of women. I'm just like, I'm sorry. I'm, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. The track record is terrible. <laughs> you just reminded me of the time when I found out uh, a now friend of mine uh, was from uh, his family was from Gaza. I was, I was also immediately like, oh, I am sorry. <laughs> oh, that that's very familiar. <laughs> Or Lebanon. When I meet people from Lebanon, I'm like, hey, first of all, sorry. <laughs> but also, do you move your car? It's just in the way. <laughs> normal interactions. Um, yeah, God. Um, I, I, there, is, there is like a thing that I feel is very subtle, but that I've noticed of like Germans, like being like excited to show that they are like not in an really like over the top way but just like that they think positively of israel um oh, like, this... like i don't i don't you don't have to <laughs> <laughs> oh, go on sorry sorry go on, yeah. no I, I just there's this one case that i always remember which i feel is like such a tiny thing that i feel embarrassed to like t to talk about it as a thing that happened but um and it was like perfectly benign, you know, this was a colleague of mine who I, I don't think anything bad about. Um, but like, I I was like wondering about like why German sinks with dishes at like the, the sink at work where, where I worked two years ago, like why why there was no dish sponge, why there was only like a rag. I just asked my colleague, like, is what's the, like, wh what's the thinking behind this? And instead of like explaining the thinking to me, if there is anything behind it, I've never found out. She was like, oh, how do you do it in Israel? Like with this kind of excitement as if like we're going to have some like great solution. Like I think just using a dish sponge with soap is, is pretty standard around the world. I, I don't, I think, I hope. Or emails. Hmm? Hmm? <laughs> or emails. Email? <laughs> yeah, like in Germany, they don't, they, they use the post. Oh, yeah. Oh. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're, we're all agreed Germany's backwards. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, no, my building doesn't have a post box at the moment. We're just losing all of our important correspondence at the moment. It's, it's what do you mean it doesn't have a post box? What is wrong with your building? So much. I, I can't get into it now. No, yeah, no. Um, Berlin sounds like such a lovely place. It is, I swear. <laughs> you will. I promise. Um, yeah, so the... the <laughs> 
I do I do love these stories because I think it's something that a lot of people can be like a little bit familiar with because I was recently having a discussion with a, um, a Russian friend of mine and he was complaining about like the kind of like pro-Putin left. And I'm like, that's like a really small number of people. That's not like yeah. a real group. That can't be real. And he was like, yeah, but they all come forward to me. When they find out I'm oh, Russian, no. they're just like, yeah, so Putin's pretty great. I was like, no. Because <laughs> I'm Russian. And same, like, I lived in the UK for a while as an Irish person, and it's just like every British person who has a problem with the fact that Ireland has a problem with the term British Isles will suddenly tell you about that uh, 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 and want to let you know. Even though I've never in any other circumstance heard any British person say British Isles, they only ever say it when they want to complain about the, the fact that we don't like the term. Um, uh, it's, a, it's a whole thing. But, Wait, uh, has any has any British person ever apologized to you, Carol? No, no, God, no, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> they would never. They would never. No, the thing you get, and every Irish person who's moved to the UK has this as at least one of these stories of encountering a British person that doesn't know we're independent. Um, Are you serious? It's what? been a hundred years. <laughs> um, oh my thing. god! My sister, when she lived in England, got a "Why does your passport look different?" Um, <laughs> I, I I got while living in Scotland, and this was Scotland post after like the independence referendum, when all of them suddenly became aware of Ireland as the only post UK country. Uh, um, was like, oh, do you have weird pounds in Ireland? And I'm like. Like they asked me, do I different pounds in Ireland? I was like, we use the euro. <laughs> We're a founding member of the euro. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's 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 a whole thing. People people just don't know how to act at parties anymore, and that's more true now that we all went through the pandemic. I think. Um, yeah, we've all become feral. Um, and, okay, so going back to the steering us back a little bit to the topic. Um, I am curious, kind of to this the same question about Germany's attitude uh, and weird interactions, obviously, but particularly if any experience with the left. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't think we've actually ever... No, we have done We have done a very, very old episode where we kind of explained to our non-German listeners the anti-Deutsch. Oh, um, yeah. Um, I'm going to go save that one. <laughs> <laughs> that was a Sisyphean task, and I think it was mostly just kind of us uh, uh, um, ragging on uh, that one theorist. Um, oh, what's his name that they all love? Adorno. Adorno. That was mostly just being in a very long discussion about Adorno. Um, I got to think, fuck, I wasn't in that episode. I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, but the other thing that I think we've talked about successfully in this podcast. Um, and this is, I think, probably a little too Berlin-centric, but um, the anti-Deutsch in this city is very much, like, being pushed out um, in favor of a more kind of inclusive of all people um, kind of movement. I think the biggest name in that kind of space is Migrantifa, uh, um, which is a wonderful pun. Um, I don't want to give them too much credit, but they definitely exist in this space. And... Yeah, it does kind of feel like the anti-Deutsch are becoming a little bit resentful that they're no longer the cool kids left. Uh, that they were the cool kids left in like the 90s, maybe. But uh, um, I'm, I'm just kind of wondering, okay, and also, I said all of this realizing, as much as I would like it to be the case, Berlin is not all of Germany. <laughs> so I know it is different elsewhere. I'm just wondering what you think is happening in that kind of space or your experiences with it. Yuda, do you want Michael, to go first? go ahead. Okay. <laughs> Everybody's looking at me because I live in Leipzig, which is like... Yeah, I, thought, uh, I think like with all of them left Leipzig. Yeah, Le Leipzig is like... No, I think Leipzig was... I think I, I gather since the 90s already, like uh, like an, an anti-Deutsch kind of um, stronghold. Um, and it's just like in Saxony in general, like anti-Deutsch is the mainstream of, of the of the... Uh, left that is to the left of the social democracy. Mm. Um, so, I mean, it's also been changing here. Like, I, you know, I've only, I, I lived here for five years from 2007 to 12, and then I moved back to Israel and I came back here in 2019. Right. Um, 
and I wasn't involved in this kind of stuff before I le- when I was here the first time around. But like in the three years or four years now, oh yeah, it was like four years, two weeks ago. Um, Congrats. Four, yeah, thanks. Um, so like I've been hearing again and again how like they've been really weakening um, in this time and like they've kind of been losing their grip. Um, but they're still very present, and I, I kind of obsessed with political stickers, so I paid, paid a lot of attention to these. Oh, yeah, and German, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, really, really important uh, medium. And um, just a few days ago, on a on a like one hour walk, um, I like tore down like ten anti Deutsch stickers that, that had recently been put up. I can I can say that for sure. And like there were new stickers I hadn't seen before either, so they might have been newly printed, which is also interesting. And, and like, I was thinking about this in the context of what's happening in Israel, because like, they're like to continue to support Israel in the way that anti-Deutsch do, which is this like full throated, no questions asked, like fanatic support for Israel. Like you, you can't, I mean, you, you can either like really not look at any details or you have to kind of leave behind your left principles because it's really impossible to, to unite them with what's going on there. And like one of the stickers that I saw was really interesting in that it, um, it so a lot of the anti-Deutsch stickers, you know, take the the anti-fascist action logo and then like put in like other flags and other text, and that's you know very very usual. But um, this one had uh, uh, the circle with the Israel flag and the U.S. flag, but the circle was kind of like placed in the corner, so you can only see the, the text at the top, and it just said said like pro-Israelish. It just said pro-Israeli. It didn't even bother to make it like pro-Israeli anti-fascist but you also i also see stickers here at zionist anti-fascist and stuff um and these were like these were stickers saying stuff like um cool kids don't wear um dish rags with a picture of the kafia um yeah jesus yeah um and that the one with the pro-israelish that i think that was saying like for israel in this like weird fa hebrew font which i think is very um problematic um and then like i don't know some some nonsense but it was making me think that like they they're needing to like grasp straws now because they can't really you know they, there used to be this anti-deutsch narrative of like israel is a bastion of, of 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 progress in this like backwards region which is you know that's already like a colonialist narrative but like at least they were trying to say like we we stand for progressive values and israel is part of that um and i think something i've been seeing since the election since immediately after the election since before the final results were in was them declaring kind of like we are we stand behind Israel regardless of who rules it. It's not about a specific policy or a specific government. It's about it existing as a Jewish state. And that kind of demonstrates to me how unwilling a lot of people in Germany are to like actually think about Israel as a place with living people and with politics because mm-hmm. for it to exist as a Jewish state, you need a set of policies that keep it Jewish. And that set of policies is reactionary. Like it's really that simple. But they think they can just say, like, no, we just support, in principle, having a Jewish state, and, and it should stay Jewish. Um, and beyond that, it's, like, up to the people there to decide democratically what happens there. Like, this doesn't this doesn't actually make any sense. And I think this is how they're trying to hold on to this right now. And even the, even the question, what is a Jewish state, or what is Jewish, is a question that would blow their minds, because this is only <laughs> a symbol for them to to get rid of their like misguided guilt uh, philo-semite anti-semite uh, and and social interactions with each other I, I wanted to say that I think the the main stone that anti-deutsche uh, tripped on is the is the refugee crisis because obviously the left stood behind and said like refugees welcome we are a, a state that has the the responsibility for people that were uh, that were uh, that were had to migrate because uh, because refugees because of war and uh, and colonialism and uh, but the people that came here were Syrians and Palestinians and Lebanese and people with um, anti-colonial politics and uh, and if you look at anti-Deutsche, you can't be, you can't hang a refugees welcome sign uh, on your, uh, on the entrance to your, to your housing project and uh, an Israeli flag next to it. Uh, it's, uh, and that, that's the absurdity of their situation. And, and people from the Syrian left, people from the Palestinian left that came to 
to these to these clubs and uh, to the, the uh, universities and get-togethers and said yes we want to be a part of this left we're uh, we're being shunned we're being kicked out uh, because of uh, their obvious anti-colonial positions and I just remembered you were actually asking about like our experience with these people and like maybe Yuda can share some of, of his too. Like I, I haven't, I mean, I've run into them a lot online. I also like, I've been here mainly in the pandemic, so I've mainly existed online. Um, but right before the pandemic, I think this was, um, I was supposed to give um, a workshop on uh, like radical Jewish history um, uh, at this like nightclub that likes doing political things here called the IFZ, Institut für Zukunft, which is rapidly anti-Deutsch. And, um, and then like they very last minute they canceled it. And like someone um, uh, who, you know, had access to the emails within the collective that runs this place, like leaked out the information to us that um, like they literally like Googled my name and discovered I'm an anti-Zionist and canceled this event for supposedly for fear that I would use it, that I would use the event as a platform for BDS. Okay. I want to I want to yeah. tell a little a little story that has something to do with that. I, I am uh, because I live like in a small town in the north. I was uh, I was meeting some like leftists when I when I first migrated here, and I was like, hey, cool, there's a leftist scene here. Mm. Uh, uh, the, I always walk around my kafia. And that's how already I got some like um, some attention, and people right. were very confused because I also would walk around with a kippa and a kafia, like with a, <laughs> and they were like it really blew their minds. And one time, because there, I saw that they were like anti-Deutsche stickers and Israeli flag. I was like, hey, you know what? I'm actually like a history teacher. Um, why don't we have like a series of workshops and, and we'll talk about Israel. We have like uh, discussions and debates and we can talk a little about history. And I went to this uh, plenum where they were talking and I made like, uh, we made like uh, appointments for to have like uh, four meetings. So they were generous enough to, I was also doing stuff for them. Uh, so they were, they were generous enough to give me like a, a room and say, all right, here you go. And, uh, and people came to this, uh, to this series of uh, lectures and discussions about Israel-Palestine. And it took place in this uh, place that like basically all anti-Deutsche. Mm. And everyone that came, basically everyone that came to these workshops and discussions were like immigrants and people from the city. And no one from this housing project, even though it was in their own home, uh, wow. came to it. That's incredible because because we, we had something happen to us very similar where where the group that I'm part of Yid wanted to to do an event at a specific housing project where there was this like terrible anti-Deutsch incident and we were wanted to address it to the people who live there and a lot of people came but nobody who lives there came. Great, <laughs> I love that they're willing to learn and grow. That's 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 the main thing, I guess. <laughs> I, I think it's interesting though because there's this like there's this really avoidant streak in in the the their behavior from what I can see. Like they they will like make all these pronouncements online or in stickers or in all these like one way media, but um but they're not actually able to or interested in engaging with people who would actually challenge the the kind of simplistic way they see the world. Yeah, I mean, in very recent and very online interactions that I have been seeing, it, it has been a great deal of people breaking down when confronted by, like, anti-Zionist Jewish people. I think also, like, a resurgence of an American left that is also anti-Zionist but also has a substantial Jewish-American population has also kind of broken their brains a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's It's been very, very interesting to see. Um, unfortunately... Our overlords at Google have decided that this call is ending soon. <laughs> uh, um, so I just wanted to say, uh, Michael, Nimrod, uh, Yehuda, thank you very much for joining us on Quarter Shbedi. Uh We will have links to all of their works and everything they want to shout out um, in the description. We can't shout it out in audio because, again, Google is going to kick us out. But, yes, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much for having us. It was great. Thank you. Thanks a lot. <laughs> Wow, what a great interview we all listened to. <laughs> um, that was what. What was now that you've listened to it again, Uma? What was your main takeaway? <laughs> My main takeaway is that German people are weird. Oh God, yeah, that's <laughs> that should that should be your takeaway for every always. episode of Cornish Bay. <laughs> yeah.
That's true. You know, uh, at some point, I didn't want to say anything because we were talking about like serious things. Yeah. But it was mentioned that like now people are starting to resist more like um, being drafted into the idea for, you know, being in the military in the I. I I was gonna say the Irish military, what? In the Israeli <laughs> military. And it just I just could not stop thinking about that Taylor Swift update account. Oh god. Went to so jail. <laughs> Can you explain the situation for people who don't know? Yes. So there was this like actually really big um fan account on Twitter which was like a Taylor Swift update account, right? Like literally just call it I think Taylor Swift fans or something like that. Or updates, yeah. It's yeah. just like they would post about what Taylor Swift was up to, whatever. Yes. Um, and suddenly, one like they just stopped tweeting, which mm. you know, if if you know anything about fan accounts and obsessive, like it's it's very strange when they don't offer an explanation. Uh, and literally, like what a year later, like you know, a long time later. They just posted like, hey, sorry, I stopped posting. I went to jail for refusing to join the IDF. <laughs> and it was like, yeah. what a fucking queen. <laughs> and like, she was what Taylor Swift's been up to while I was. Literally, like, and she just went, apparently at, at some point she was allowed the, her phone or something in jail or something. And then she would just tweet from jail, yeah. like being just like, yeah, fuck the IDF and fuck Israel. Anyway. <laughs> Taylor Swift looks great in this Gucci yeah. coat or whatever. Taylor Swift is serving looks. <laughs> <laughs> not like me. I'm not serving. Yeah, unlike me. Yeah, Taylor Swift is serving. <laughs> That's it. That's the line. Um, <laughs> shit, fuck. Is that the name of the episode? I think we have to give the episode a more responsible name. Than that. Yeah, I think our actual interview was... Uh, too serious to be like yeah. Taylor Swift is serving. Anyway, everyone, check out this new episode of Corner Spady. Taylor Swift is serving. <laughs> All the Swifties start listening and they're like, what the fuck is this? Oh, man. Yulia, or, sorry, Uma, did I ever tell you about the time that on Twitter I unfortunately, um, as a joke, oh, I, no. put, I put, um, I changed my handle to like, I can't remember what the joke was, but it was like something, something sugar baby. Um, okay. Yeah, I I was making some sort of political joke, but I I unfortunately included the word sugar baby, and then I got the weirdest. Oh followers. no! Of course, all the bots <laughs> and shit. And just be like, I'm a sugar daddy looking for. It's like, nope, no, I'm alright. Yeah. Actually, this was a joke. It's gone too far. Um, yeah. To each their own, but it's not me. Um, <laughs> anyway. Not for me, pal. Sorry. <laughs> They're all scammers anyway. It's so annoying. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> like I'm out here the... looking for a real sugar daddy. Yeah, exactly. What the fuck? Where are the real sugar daddies? Absolutely. No, but like just just being a woman on Twitter as well, like you just get so many people claiming to be pay picks. It's not even like sugar daddy, it's just like straight up pay picks. Mm-hmm. Which uh, for those of you who don't know what a pay pick is, um, you don't want to know. No, it's just uh, someone who just randomly sends you money because they like spending money um, and being like humiliated or like, you know, just yes. they're like submissive people. Anyway, it is it's the other end of a FinDom relationship. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, the amount of pay picks who obviously are not actual pay, like they just like say the stupidest shit and they just try to name you all the time and are like hey hey goddess are you trying to you know like like get money from someone i'm like no (laughs) please (laughs) leave me alone like even if i mean if they were real maybe i would be like yeah send me 50 euros right now just oh but highball highball 50 euro (laughs) oh no i'm always no like i'm i'm too nice and even when people want me to be mean, I just, I don't, I, I feel too awkward. To yeah, literally. I'm just like, no. Yeah. Um, anyway, this is taking a weird turn. Sorry. Oh, it's great. <laughs> this is Corner Um Welcome. Um, yeah. Okay. That was the interview. It was really good. Thanks again to Michael Nimrod and Yehuda for coming on. Um, I do want to shout out. We have a live show in Berlin, April 22nd. In the afternoon at some point, between like 2 and mm-hmm. 5 p.m., the time has not been confirmed, but April 22nd. Just keep, yeah, just yeah. keep April 22nd in mind. On? Keep it free. Come on. Nothing. 
it's like in a month as well. You can clear up whatever you had. Yeah. Have an early lunch. It'll be okay. <laughs> exactly. Um, or don't and just get wasted, whatever. Yeah, that is in the Selena Hotel in Mita. S-E-L-I-A. Oh, no, S-E-L-I-N-A. So Selena, <laughs> not not like Selena Gomez. That's your mnemonic device. Selena, but not like Selena Gomez. Oh, that looks cute. Yeah, right? Sorry, I'm just, I just Googled the place. Because I didn't even know. So you guys get, you know, updates directly yeah. from Kieran. That um, is great. And That's so cool. Because we're starting to promo it now. And the first kind of like bonusy episode about this has already happened. But we are doing Girovision again. Girovision 2023. Mm-hmm. We are doing a live stream on the 13th of May, uh, starting at like 8 p.m. German time, Central European time, uh, to do our commentary for this year's Eurovision. Um, it's going to be lots of fun. Uh, people who have watched the previous two streams know how much I yell. Um, and also, this is Uma's first Eurovision. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> Ever. <laughs> I don't know what Eurovision is, actually. So. <laughs> uh, excellent, yeah. She's never heard of it before. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> I've lived a blissful life, yeah. You lived as like a sheep herder in the Pyrenees. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, anyway, we will catch you on the bonus feed. Uh, see ya. Ciao, ciao. Bye.